We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. This is the Resilient Schools podcast on the B Podcast Network. I am the creator, Jethro Jones. In this podcast, we help schools become resilient, which means that they are able to adapt and overcome any situation that presents itself. Enjoy the show. This episode is from a previous interview that I did on the Transformative Principle podcast. And I'm collecting all of my trauma-informed podcasts and resources here on this feed. So if you're interested in more of that stuff, stay tuned to future episodes where we talk about how schools can be resilient. And to get access to everything that I've got around trauma-informed practices in schools and resilient schools, go to resilientschools.com and then connect with me by putting your email in at the bottom of the page. Want to know one of my biggest frustrations with EdTech? Having too many tools and not enough time to use them right. They require too much training and it takes too much effort to implement it effectively. That's why it makes such a difference that IXL can do the job of dozens of individual tools. So I have everything I need for instruction and assessment in one place. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? I'm sure you want to increase achievement for all students. Find out how IXL can help. Visit IXL.com slash BE for a demo. That's IXL.com slash BE. Now, here's our episode from the vault. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have back on the show JC Pohl. We talked a few months ago about building school culture, and today we're going to talk about building resilient students. So, JC, welcome to Transformative Principle again. Definitely, Jethro. So great to be back. A lot has changed since we last spoke, huh? It's a fast moving world. <laughs> yeah, it's it is crazy, man. Things are 
it's like we're in a totally different world than we were before. Yes, it really is. It's changed a lot. So uh, excited today for sure. Yeah, we recorded our previous episode um, in February, right before coronavirus hit. And we were, you know, we were all bright eyed and bushy tailed. And now we're in the thick of it. Um, and some schools have gone back to school full time. Some schools have already sent kids back home. Some schools start online and, and people, you know, there's still a lot of questioning about what's going to be happening from day to day. So I think the topic of building resilient students is is really important. And so um, you wrote the book on this. So I think it's appropriate to have you here talking about it. So so let's get started first by defining what resilient students means, because we all have these ideas about growth mindset and grit and resilience and all that kind of stuff. How do you define resilience? Yeah, for sure. I mean, resilience for me is really about taking the hits and just moving forward. It's about the kids that obviously get knocked down and get back up. And the reason why I wrote the book is, uh, you know, in the news, we see kids that die by suicide. We see kids that you would know, go and commit a school shooting or something because they're bullied or because something in their life is really bad. But I mean, you and I know, Jethro, there are millions of kids that get bullied and millions of kids that have bad things in their life and they don't die by suicide and they don't go shoot up a school. And that was really the reason I wanted to write the book was just to investigate, like, what's the difference, right? Like, what are the things that allow kids or I guess inspire and motivate kids to be resilient versus the things that really don't. And so for me, it's just that ability to bounce back, you know, even just talking to you here, looking out my window. Uh, we bought our house about a year ago. And, and last weekend, I took the stakes out of the ground, you know, for the trees. They're newer trees. So they put these huge metal stakes in the ground. And it's like, the guy told us, he said, after a year, you've got to remove the stakes because the trees need it. Like young trees need strong winds. And I think the same is true when we talk to our, about our students is we want students to have some adversity and challenges. And the most important thing is for them to be resilient and working through it. Yeah, that's that's a great analogy, too. And I, I think about the idea of wind blowing a tree, the way that those roots and the trees get stronger is because of that wind. And, you know, in my own life, the trials and challenges that we've experienced, they've been difficult and I hate going through them. But at the same time, I know that they're necessary and I know that we've got to we've got to do it and we've got to go through that. So you know, we never want like bad things to happen to anybody. And yet that's really the way that we learn. And that is, that's just so important to pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, it's the way that we grow, right? Like we could sit down, any of us could sit down and over a cup of coffee or a beer or something and talk about our life. And we would find it was really in the hard times in our life when we grew, we reassessed, we've made new plans to move forward. It, uh, life got changed. You got laid off. You got divorced. Like things happened in your life that you now maybe look back on and say, wow, that was really a blessing in disguise. And so I think that is true with so many people. And it's hard for teenagers to sometimes see that. It's hard for all of us to see it when we're in the middle of it, right? But um, especially hard for teenagers to sometimes have that hope or see that potential when things seem so bad today. Well, and I want to talk just a little bit about that because it, it really is for teenagers. It's a different experience because you're you're at a point in your life where you are you know, you're not quite an adult, but you're getting pretty close and you're starting to develop some autonomy and some independence. And when these bad things happen, it just, it can really pull you down and make you feel like you're getting beat up and like there's no hope. So why is it so difficult, especially in the teenagers to deal with the, with adversity? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like if we take a step back and we talk about teenagers, what we need to realize as school leaders and as educators is that this is developmentally appropriate. They, this is where they're supposed to be, right? Like they are developing. You mentioned they're not quite adults yet. We all know their brains are not fully developed till about 25 years old. Um, but for teenagers, when they, when they face this adversity, they face a major challenge. They get, they get embarrassed on social media. Often they'll say, you know, this is the end of the world. And we need to remember as adults that they actually feel like it's the end of the world. Like that's the way they feel. And so it's our job to kind of like consult with them and walk them through it. Like, Hey, I know that was embarrassing. What happened on social media? How are you going to work through it? How can we help you? How can we support you? Um, and I think that, that that's a lot of times adults, we forget that they're not adults yet. And we expect them to respond to things in life as if they were adults, but like they're not. And that I see that too. I'm sure you see it, Jethro, as you travel. Like I was just at a school up outside of Lubbock, extreme poverty, right? Like kids in that school are dealing with crazy situations at home. Yet the principal is telling me about how teachers sometimes are completely disconnected from that, right? They want kids to do their homework. They want kids to like get their work done. And it's like, no, these kids are like going home and trying to get dinner and survive. And, and, you know, I don't think it's like the teachers are at fault for that. I think just sometimes we just forget, like we forget. And it's our job as adults and school leaders to always like take that step back, look at the situation and try to help these kids through it. So I think, I think that's what was really a good answer to that question. Right. Yeah. And, and it's interesting how we, we sometimes forget things in our system is sometimes built to help us forget those things by putting an emphasis on the things that, that aren't nearly as important. So I want to share just a little personal thing real quick. I'm sorry. I'm getting emotional already. One of my good friends just passed away. He was my age. And it was it was tragic to see him succumb to cancer so quickly. And just six weeks after he was diagnosed. And, and he passed away. And he's got, you know, kids who are teenagers. And because of the support that they have in their life, these kids recognized that yes, this is really sad. Yes, it's really hard. But also they know they're not alone. It's not the end of the world for them. And you know, this just happened. So right now they're feeling okay. In a couple of weeks, in a couple of months, things may be different. And I think that, you know, we don't, we don't know what these kids are, are coming into our classrooms with, you know? And so I think about this guy, he's got six kids, his daughter, who is like the spunkiest, cutest little girl. When I saw her at the funeral, I went to go give her a hug and she said, you know, my dad just died and totally bluntly, totally out there said that she's the daughter who's going to say something and let somebody know. But these other kids, none of the rest of them, I don't think are going to say anything about it. And all of our kids are going through something because of what's going on in their lives. And we've got to be compassionate enough and aware enough to be there for them and support them and 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 be there to to be a good example and role model in their life to help them out when they need it. And I really think that this is just so important. And every time I experience something that's difficult or sad like this, I think about, you know, what other kids could be going through when they walk into our school and what we need to do to support them. So in your book, you talk about five keys to mental health. And one of those areas is charismatic adults. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that, our role as charismatic adults for for the kids that come into school, what, what does that mean? And how do we support kids when we may not know the trials and tragedies that they've had in their life? 
Yeah, Jethro, no, I mean, thanks for sharing that story and um, just seeing you here. I know most of us watching or here, listening can't see you like I can, and I can see the emotion, and I just uh, I just really appreciate you sharing that with us. And I think you hit the, the nail on the head in the story you just told is because what that girl needed for you from you when she came up and talked to you at the funeral was a developmental support, like a structure in her life, right? And that's what we need to build around students is a structure. So when they are dealing with those heavy winds in life, that they have someone, a touch point that they can lean on when they need it. That touch point might be at a funeral. It might be in a classroom. It might be after a football game or after a dance or something like that. And so the theory behind charismatic adults is that all of the adults around our children um, have the opportunity and ability to speak into their life. And this wasn't something that I like, invented on my own. Uh, this was uh, basically developed by a guy named Robert, Dr. Robert Brooks. Uh, Dr. Brooks is a uh, world-renowned like, expert on student resiliency, travels the world, and he's done a ton of research. And what he's found in his research is that a charismatic adult is the single greatest factor in student resiliency. So someone, when the child is going through adversity, dealing with a challenge that they can lean on. And that charismatic adult isn't normally a mom or a dad, like hopefully the mother or father is there, but it's usually like an aunt or an uncle, a teacher or a coach, a principal, a counselor, someone from the neighborhood, someone from the Boys and Girls Club that the child can go to to talk about these things be heard, and then hopefully be given that advice or that insight that will help them at that moment in their life. And so charismatic adults are extremely powerful when it comes to building student resiliency. And Jethro, I'm sure we could sit here and when I go to conferences and speak, I'll ask the audience, like, who was your charismatic adult? In fact, let's have some fun, Jethro. Like, think about your growing up years. Think about maybe middle school, high school, college. Like, was there a charismatic adult? Was there someone who spoke into your heart and spoke into your life that maybe helped you become the man that you are today? Yeah, it's really easy. I moved around a lot in my teenage years. G.K. Cunningham, Mike Elmer, Barbara Crump, Larry Lawrence. Those four right there, tip of my tongue, know for sure they had a huge impact on me becoming the man I am today, for sure. For sure. And so they were there as you were moving around a lot. You know, when I asked this question at conferences, I'll never forget, I was at a Life Touch training and one of the Life Touch sales pros gave her answer. And uh, it was just a teacher junior year that told her she was college bound. And sometimes a charismatic adult isn't like some huge figure in someone's life. It's someone just stepping in and saying the right words at the right moment. And for Ashley, that told her that she could get to college. And she became one of the first people in her family to ever go to college. And it really meant a lot to her. And uh, I think like that's that's what's so special about what we're talking about here today. Yeah. And, and, and it really is because those people that I mentioned, I don't think, you know, maybe one or two of them of the four that I mentioned might say, yeah, I had a real influence on Jethro's life. But I think the others would be like what? I didn't do anything, you know, <laughs> and and we don't we don't realize the power that we have as adults. And, you know, I don't want to bring us down or anything, but a negative example of that is a teacher that I had who I was flirting with a girl in class. She said that I was being inappropriate and they kicked me out out of all the honors classes and said, I'm never going to get into another honors class. And like she had this really powerful negative effect. And part of her 
actions toward me inspired me to go into education and be sure that I would never do that to a kid, you know, and exactly right. But we have this power. And you know what? She was just having a rough day, I'm sure, and was sick of me being a class clown. But these other four that I'm talking about, they were consistently there, supportive, helpful, and were the kind of people that I wanted to become also. So even when I was making bad choices and not being my best self, those people were there to support me and help me see what my best what my best self could look like. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And you know, and what's important for the school leaders listening to this podcast right now is that charismatic adults come, could come from anywhere on your campus, the nutrition worker, the bus driver, the counselor. I, I mean, I've seen it happen with my own eyes, right? Like the cafeteria worker that after I've spoken at an assembly that has come out to speak to a young student about suicide or to speak about something going on in the neighborhood that they grew up with. Right. And so these charismatic adults, everybody on our campus needs to know the power that they have and the opportunity that they have to speak into our students' heart at any given time during any given day. Yeah. And kids are listening even when we're not expecting them to be listening. They're paying attention even when we think they're not listening to anything we say. And that's an important thing to pay attention to also. You know, I had a custodian in one of my schools who he knew he was really bad at remembering kids' names, and he knew he would never get it right. And so he basically just gave up, and he said, all right, I'm just going to call everybody Steve. And so that's what he did. Boy, girl, didn't matter. Your name was Steve. And they all called him Steve, but that wasn't his real name. But he built that relationship with them, and so there were numerous times where him having that relationship with the kids in elementary school, he would quiz them to make sure they memorized their school lunch number right. And that's where he'd interact with them the most. And he got these kids to, you know, confide in him and trust him to be someone that they could go to when they weren't feeling great. And that is so silly, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous. He, he's like, we always talk about how it's important to know kids' names. But these kids, even though he didn't know their names and he knew he never would, they knew that he cared about them individually. And, and I think that's really important. Let's talk about flex time in schools. If you've been listening for a long time, you know how important I think this is. It gives us more time for personalized learning, increasing choice and agency for students, and the increased enrollment that comes with it, dedicated time for intervention and enrichment. And overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be so tough. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more about it and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com B-E. So, so what are some tips you have for people to be that charismatic adult and how can they like bring that into their life so they're doing that on a regular basis? 
Yeah, well, I think the first tip, just being here on the podcast with you for all the school leaders out there, is making sure that when you do offer trainings or professional development workshops, or you bring in someone like Jethro or I to talk about relationships or resiliency, that you bring these people in to have a seat at the table. You know, some schools I go to, the teachers are there, the counselors are there, but the nutrition workers aren't invited. The custodial staff isn't invited. But the ones that I have gone to where they have been invited provides an even more in-depth conversation for just the staff in the room, right? Just to have different people from different backgrounds in the room. And then the other thing that I think is just so important is that we all create opportunities to work with students and connect with students where they are. Uh, I think a lot of times we want to put students in a box or we, we want them to get X, Y, and Z done. And we don't always create the space to develop those connections that your friend Steve did, right? Like going out of his way with the little Steve joke, it works because it creates a space and the opportunity for those kids to connect. He could have easily just said, hey, you, give me your lunch number. What's your lunch number? You got your lunch number memorized? But he made it an experience and an opportunity. I think even right now, as we struggle with COVID, a lot of schools moving to virtual learning and all these different modalities that we're seeing come out right now, are we providing the space for our students to just connect as human beings with their teachers and with their peers. Even here, you know, with my son, he's in first grade doing remote learning right now. And the one thing I'm thinking about reaching out to his teacher about is like, she is doing a great job. She's bringing energy. She's bringing, like, she is teaching him over Zoom. It's pretty amazing. But she's not providing any space for the kids to just connect like these are six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. Like, can we hang out and talk about cartoons or something? I don't know. Like they don't get to be on the playground goofing around. Can we help facilitate some of that space somehow in their day? So I think just, just realizing that us as adults, like we need to be intentional about getting to where students are so they can develop those connections. Yeah, boy, I, I think that's great advice. What does that look like, you know, giving kids space in a virtual environment or even in a hybrid environment, what does that look like? Everybody hates Zoom now, right? <laughs> and, and how do we, how do we, how do we make that happen so that we can have that time to connect? And what does that look like? I mean, is that a, a check-in question, or is that you know one day a week only just talking about nothing academic? What do you think that looks like? I really do think, like at its basic level, like you said, it's that check-in. I always like to use a thumbs up and a thumbs down with kids sometimes. What's your thumbs up? What's your thumbs down? I think, you know, we can build that into the the school day or into classes. But I think what you said, it's being intentional about creating some space. Uh, Some of the best schools I visit create like, uh, like sometimes that first week of school, they have like a no backpack day. And the kids just come to school that first day of school. They're like, there's no backpacks. There's barbecue and hot dogs and rallies and a chance to meet your teachers and a chance to hang out. I think that's just a good, I know that's not virtual, but that's a good example of like being intentional about creating a space on campus for kids to connect. So we can do that in Zoom rooms as well. I mean, I do it all the time. We host leadership summits, Jethro, and we'll have kids on a leadership summit, all virtual. And the cool thing about Zoom is it has breakout rooms. It has whiteboard functionality. Like it's a pretty awesome technology. And so all I love to do some of my therapy activities that I do um, where we do like some art therapy. And then I send them into, into Zoom rooms to like process it with three or four other kids. And they come back alive. 
You know, they come back excited. They come back like wanting to talk in the Zoom room. I mean, I've had to sometimes hang up on these kids. They want to talk so long. It's like, all right, I got to move on, you know? So I think that's just an example. Like we, we can do that. And then I guess at its basic level, you know, if doing a breakout rooms and all that stuff is too much, just like you said, maybe intentionally just taking time for 20 minutes once a week to just kick back in the Zoom room. And just say, hey, you know, there's 20 of us in this class right now. Like, let's just kick back and talk, you know, and it'd be cool for the teacher to even like sit back in your chair a little bit and just say, hey, you know, what's going on? What's happening? What are you guys doing this weekend? That's fun. Uh, what do you guys like to do? Like, you know, because I think that's one of the struggles right now with remote learning is that and you know this, Jethro, from your experience being an educator is like kids kind of form common bonds based on interest, especially as they get older. And if they're not being able to like just connect to figure out what those common interests are, then they can't form bonds and relationships. And we need to make sure like developmentally, we're we're helping these kids still develop relationships as they grow in this COVID era. Um, And I would argue that that might be more important than knowing X, Y, and Z on a test. Oh, I would absolutely say that's more important. And, you know, spending that time intentionally, I think is really the key. You, as a school leader, you decide how you're going to give your teachers permission to do that, because I think that's a barrier. that They don't feel like they have permission to spend that time to build that connection, to make sure that that happens. And as the leader, you know, if you can make sure that that happens, you're going to go a long way to getting your teachers to really pay attention to the things that that matter more than anything. Yeah, it's like, think about it. Think about it. If you want your staff to come together as a group, think about your time as an educational leader, okay? I'm sure you've had professional workshops with them. You've done trainings and stuff. But didn't you guys bond more like at a staff barbecue or having nachos on a Friday afternoon or, you know, doing some event as a staff together? Like, that's where we bond and form relationships. And so we've got to make sure, we've got to make it a priority to put our students in those positions right now and our staff members, like to find a way to get these people connecting as human beings should be top priority for every school leader right now. Yeah. And if you got like blown away from the beginning of the school year and you're like getting your second wind right now, this would be an excellent way to spend the next few days is making sure that you're connecting with all your staff and that your staff is connecting with all their students and make that priority number one. JC, I think this has been a great conversation. Can you talk to us a little bit about where to get your book and how people can learn more about that? For sure. Yeah, we'd love to just help everybody out there possible. So if you want to get a copy of the book, it is, of course, available on Amazon or in our shop at teentruth.net. So you can get go there to get a copy of the book. In fact, if you come to teentruth.net, and use the discount code relationships, uh, you will you can get a discount on the book as well when you order it. A- additionally, if you want to download the first few chapters of the book for free, it's just kind of a gift I wanted to offer Jethro. So that's okay. You know, st- no strings attached. Just if you go to teentruth.net slash resilient students. So that's teentruth.net forward slash resilient students. You just enter your email in there. And we'll email you the first few chapters. And the first few chapters are the ones that talk about charismatic adults and just how important they are and, you know, how to facilitate that on campus. Yeah. And there's so much more to that book. So I definitely recommend checking that out. And you can get the show notes and, you know, links to Dr. Brooks and and the book itself at jethrojones.com slash podcast slash episode 355. So, um, JC, last question I want to ask you is, 
What is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? One thing you do this week. I think the best thing that you could do this week, this might be shifting topics a little bit. I think the best thing that you could do this week is be vulnerable about a challenge that you're dealing with. Whether that's talking to your staff, talking to someone on your admin team, like showing some vulnerability in a personal challenge, maybe professionally or even personally, is a great way to model, right? Model for your staff, your students, your admin team, what it looks like to be vulnerable. Because I believe vulnerability is like the pixie dust that helps build relationships. And that's what we're talking about here today is like how to get people connected. And if you can model what that looks like, hopefully it can pay a lot of dividends down the road. Yeah, I think that that's great advice. And again, shows that there's so much more to what you're talking about than just the charismatic adults. So thank you very much, JC. Appreciate you being part of this uh, transformative principle today. For sure. If you like what you heard, there are three ways that you can get more from it. First, share the podcast with your friends and talk about it with them as well. Second, go to resilientschools.com and download the roles in a Resilient Schools cheat sheet. Third, reach out to us if you need training around any of the topics on this podcast by going to resilientschools.com. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash B-E.